How to care for houseplants over winter. A tea break tutorial with me, Alan Titchmarsh. Hello and welcome to the brand new Gardener's World magazine podcast series, exploring some of the key issues that incense and inspire gardeners. These are handy expert guides to some of the topics and techniques the team at Gardener's World are asked about time and time again. Cuttings, tomatoes, pests, 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 blooming blight, composting, to name but a few. In this exclusive series, I'm going to talk about some of these big questions and share with you my practical, no-nonsense solution. I'll lead you, not down the garden path, but to a more successful, hopefully less stressful approach to tackling common garden woes and getting the garden of your dreams. I want to help you to have more time enjoying the fruits and flowers of your labours and less time actually labouring. For me, a house isn't a home without a house plant, or two, or ten. You get the picture. I love them. House plants are decorative, calming, and actually clean and improve the air we breathe. That is scientifically proven. And house plants are so varied. There's one to suit every room and windowsill in the house. They were hugely popular in the 1970s. And then the trend sort of faded and we got to the noughties and nobody seemed to bother with houseplants anymore. And now, particularly for students, well, houseplants are hugely popular. They've come back in the 2020s. My first memories of them, I have to say... A cacti on the windowsill of the loo at the end of the landing in our little terrace house. And they were bought from a school bring and buy sale. My teacher there used to love cacti and succulents and he used to sell them for sixpence a pot. That's two and a half p for a little pot of a cactus or a succulent. And the first Latin name I ever learned was Briophyllum pinnatum which is a tiny little plant now called Canonchoe de Gramontianum. They changed the names just to confuse. And I still remember that first name, which was written in pencil on a lollipop stick tucked into the pot. And I think houseplants are special because you develop a personal relationship with them, don't you? They're so close and you can get so close to them. They become like bits of furniture that grow, like special friends. And now at Titchmarsh Towers, there are always two or three on the kitchen windowsill in particular. And luckily, I have a greenhouse, so when they're starting to look a bit tired, I can take them out and rejuvenate them where the light is better. And that is often key with houseplants, and which more in a little while. But if you do have a greenhouse or a chance to let them have a breather, a holiday, if you like, from being in the home, you can really keep them fresh for year on year. And at the moment, there are at least two orchids, two moth orchids, sitting in front of our kitchen sink and the odd spider plant in the bathroom. 
Because there are constant companions uh, indoors, it's easy for us to forget they're actually seasonal plants in, in their native wild habitats. But perhaps from the tropics, they don't all come from the tropics, they'd experience the round of seasons just like their outdoor cousins. And they need this cycle, a lot of them, including the vital rest period of the winter. Without that rest and recuperation, which they get in my greenhouse, they won't thrive nearly as much. Uh, we can all sympathise with that feeling. In worst-case scenarios, your, your precious plants might grow weaker and sicken and even perish. And, oh, there's no more tragic moment than if a houseplant you've been looking after for months on end suddenly decides to pop its clogs and decide it can't be doing with it anymore. So, fear not, in this tea break tutorial, I'm going to talk to you about the essentials of houseplant care in winter. I'll give you a checklist to make sure your plants have the best chance during the colder months and some horticultural first aid tips for any plants that seem to be ailing, plus a few suggestions on how you can help your Christmas plants survive beyond New Year's Day. As always, there's more information on our website, so no need to take notes. This includes growing guides and much more in our plants pages gardensworld.com Winter's a tricky time for houseplant health. It, generally speaking, is a dormant period. People often forget that plants need a rest period and they carry on feeding them and watering so they get no downtime, no rest. Changes in extremes of temperature can be challenging. During the day, there's central heating on full blast because, well, we feel a bit chilly in winter, don't we? We don't like to get cold. And then at night time, for that poor old plant that's been left on the windowsill, the curtains have been pulled and it's exposed to the freezing temperatures on the other side of the glass. Poor thing. And then, indoors, because the cold chill of winter hasn't killed off pests, well, the pests can rejoice, and the plant itself is subject to them running rampant. Oh, it's not much fun, is it, being a houseplant in the winter, if you've got an owner that doesn't give you any credit for the difficulties of life. So there are a few things you need to remember and do or not do to keep your houseplants happy in winter. Let's look at watering. Well, you know how thirsty you get in summer? Well, they have to make you drink water in winter, don't they? You know, they tell us how many litres to drink a day. Oh, in winter? It's the same for houseplants. They don't need nearly as much in winter as they do in summer, especially those plants which have a capability of storing their own moisture, their own water. I'm thinking particularly of cacti and succulents. Now, in summer, cacti and succulents need nearly as much water as any other houseplant, but in winter, when they, rather like the camel, live off their hump, they need much less, and too much can be deadly. They won't be absorbing it. They'll be living off their reserves. And if you keep their compost soggy, their roots will begin to rot. 
There are occasional exceptions. The Christmas cactus, which has succulent pads for leaves, that's flowering and therefore it's growing more actively. So keep the compost on that plant, which is an epiphyte. That means it grows on other plants, not as a parasite, but simply for support and absorbs moisture from the atmosphere. Make sure that doesn't dry out. When it comes to light, cacti, succulents and orchids need lots of it. They may not necessarily need high temperatures or lots of water, but they do need good light. They will still be photosynthesizing, producing the nutrients they do need by virtue of absorbing light through their chlorophyll and their leaves. So make sure that they have a spotting good light. Don't leave them on that windowsill at night and then draw the curtains in front of them to allow them to be frosted. Bring them inside the room at night, just in terms of insulation, but pop them back on that windowsill for light once temperatures rise the following morning. During the summer and in the autumn, the plants have been sitting there with lots of light hitting the leaves, but you forgot to dust them, didn't you? you? You were working over the furniture, just look at that with your mop, getting the dust off, but the houseplant had to sit there collecting muck. Light levels go down outdoors in winter, and that dust which has been collecting there during the summer is reducing light levels even further. If the leaves are smooth, Go over them with a damp cloth. You don't need anything on it other than water. Don't, for goodness sake, put detergent on it. We used to use milk, but frankly, the only smell of cheese afterwards. A damp cloth rubbed over smooth, shiny leaves will take off more muck than you would believe. If the leaves are hairy, things like African violets, Cape primroses, streptocarpus, just brush them lightly, not with a scrubbing brush, but find a little brush where you can just flick off the dust and that will allow light to reach the leaves much more easily. That really is all you need to do. If they're shiny, wipe them. If they're hairy, brush them. Try and keep temperatures relatively steady. And as I say, bring them in off the windowsill so they don't get a chill at night. But similarly, don't keep your houseplants too close to a heat source. In most houses now, that means a radiator. If you keep houseplants too near to a radiator, they dry out. They just become desiccated. I'm thinking particularly of Christmas poinsettias. They are very susceptible to direct heat sources. The tips of the leaves will start to go brown, but that will happen to an awful lot of plants. There's quite a neat way of keeping the atmosphere around house plants much more amenable to growth, and that is by standing them on a tray of gravel, which can be kept damp. Then they have this little Turkish bath around them, so the air itself is humidified. You can use a hand spray, but it doesn't tend to do furniture very much good. You'll also forget, and some plants don't like water molecules and blobs on their leaves. Much easier just to stand them on the tray and keep the gravel damp. That way you'll ensure the plant doesn't dry out too much. Keep an eye open for pests 
and diseases, but don't be too eager to rush for chemicals. You don't want to be using those in the house. It's usually easiest, if green fly attack, to either wash them off under a tap or to brush them off with a small paintbrush and do it quite regularly. That way you can make sure the plants don't come to any harm and neither does your environment with chemicals. And if you've got things like scale insects, which are like little legless tortoises, scales sticking to the undersides of the plant, the easiest thing to do with those is to wipe them off with a damp cloth. There's a lovely way, actually, that I was told of getting rid of scale insects. Pour yourself a small measure of whiskey, dip a paintbrush in the whiskey and paint the whiskey onto the scale insects. Apparently, they're not keen on it. I'm not keen on the technique because it means wasting me whiskey, but that's over to you. It really doesn't take more than a thimbleful. Give it a whirl. See if it works. And if your plants have been enjoying a nice holiday outside in summer, it just reminds you to be as kind to them when you bring them in. Check them for these unwanted hitchhikers which will come with them. And keep a lookout too for things clinging to the bottom of the pot when you're bringing them in. Slugs love to come indoors for a while and then they realise it was a big mistake. It's too hot and too dry for them, but before they go, cool, they don't half have an appetite. If you do find that your house plant is being eaten by a slug, what do you do? Well, you've got to find it. The chances are that it's either on the bottom of the pot or on the very bottom of the root ball, through the holes in the bottom of the pot. So you can tap the plant out of its pot, do it over the sink very carefully, and see if that's where the slug is lurking. And then you can um, dispose of it. You can find more info about plant pests on the Gardener's World magazine website. Just check the how-to pages for our problem-solving guides. There are fewer jobs outside in the garden demanding your attention in the winter. So this time of year is a great opportunity to divide and repot your indoor plants. But I would wait until just over what you might call the hump of the year. Wait until we're just into the new year before you divide your houseplants rather than doing it in November when they've got the rest of the winter lower light levels cooler temperatures but greater central heating to cope with. So do it just after the turn of the year, January or February. And all kinds of things that make clumps, things like arum lilies or peace lilies, a wonderfully popular houseplant. Peace lilies are very easy to divide. Uh, they'll cope with low light levels in your house through the winter, which is really useful. They're wonderful in a bathroom where they enjoy the increased humidity. But once they start hitting the rim of the pot, and a few leaves start to turn yellow, you can tell they're getting hungry. The easiest thing to do then is to take them down into the kitchen, get yourself a sheet of newspaper, and do the dividing. Now, you can be really cruel. Tap it out of its pot, get a kitchen knife, and saw that root ball up into three or four different pieces. Scrape away some of the old compost and repot each section having removed any faded or yellowing leaves in good peat-free multi-purpose compost. Water them in, but now during the winter and early spring, don't overwater them. Give it a soak as soon as that compost starts to feel dry to the touch. But if it feels like a freshly wrung out flannel, that's moist enough. 
the moth orchids, phalaenopsis. They need keeping an eye on and repotting when necessary. They're these lovely flowers which last for weeks and weeks, three months sometimes, provided you don't overwater them. The thing to do is to preferably keep some rainwater or some cooled boiled water from the kettle and to water them perhaps once every 10 days, allowing the water to run through those chips of bark around which the roots are growing and then not to water them again for another 10 days, two weeks. It's overwatering that kills moth orchids. It's Christmas, says Noddy Holder, bellows repeatedly over radio stations and shop tannoys at this time of year. Well, it nearly is. At uh, Christmas time, we gardeners love to give, to receive and to decorate our homes with lovely living seasonal plants. Festive poinsettias, towering hippiastrums, scented hyacinths and Christmas cherries, Selenum capsicastrum, one of the first Latin names I learned, alongside swathes of holly and ivy and sprigs tucked behind pictures. But after Twelfth Night, what becomes of these festive fellas? Well, some are worth attempting to preserve and some, frankly, are not. The ones to throw that aren't worth keeping, oh, I feel so cruel when I say this, but paper white narcissi or grand soledor, those golden ones, they tend to have done their thing once they've flowered and been forced, and I wouldn't bother keeping them. If you want to keep hyacinths, you can, but if you put them in the garden, remember they may well be flowerless next year. If you want them to flower again, plant them deep enough, and that means deeper than they are growing in the containers that you get them in. They're always planted in pots with their noses showing, sticking out the top of the compost. If you plant any bulb in the garden, it needs to go to about three times the depth of the bulb. If you're determined to keep them and put them in the garden, just make sure you plant them deeper. Plants to retain to help survive? Well, poinsettia particularly, they can go on and on. The thing to do, first of all, and I'm going back a bit, but when you're buying poinsettias, buy them from a warm environment, a greenhouse or a warm store. Don't buy them from a market out in the open. They're natives of Mexico. They've been chilled to the core. And the thing is, they don't lose their leaves until about a fortnight after you've got them home. And then it's too late and they turn black and fall off. So you've got them there. They're at home. They've kept the leaves. How to help them survive? Well, treat them as a green foliage plant for a while. Cut back those stems by about a half. <gasps> but they've still got red brats, Alan. I can keep red brats until Easter. Yeah, but they don't look right at Easter poinsettias, do they? When you're getting into January, February, snip them back a bit. Repot them in good, multi-purpose, peat-free compost and grow them on as a green-leaved houseplant. And if you want them to go red next year, they will need long nights. Now, in your rooms where they've got light bulbs coming on every evening, they won't get those long nights. The night will be broken. So if you want that poinsettia to have red bracts the following Christmas... Come October, pop it into a cupboard every night for about two weeks so it gets nights that are at least 12 hours long. And if you do that for a fortnight in October, you'll trigger the production of 
the red rights. Things like African violets that you've been given, you can keep them growing all the year round on a windowsill, provided you bring them in at night before you close the curtains. Hippiastrums, once they've faded, the leaves will start to grow. Well, you can feed them once every two weeks or so with dilute liquid tomato feed to keep those leaves growing. Do that for a few months and then come the middle of summer, allow them to dry off, allow them to dry out. You can help them dry out by popping them in the airing cupboard. Now, I have a story to tell you here. A lady said to me once, I was in Eastbourne doing a talk one evening, and she said, um, how do I make my hippiastrum bulb flower for another year? So I said, well, you know, if you put it in the airing cupboard just for a while, and then you well, the heat in there will encourage it to form its flower for next year. Do you know, I went back to do a talk two years later in Eastbourne. The lady put her hand up. She said, you know, you told me to put my hippiastrum in the airing cupboard. So I said, yes. And she said, well, I wanted to know when to take it out. I forgot to tell her. Never mind. The commonest mistake folk make, really, is to be too kind to their plants in winter and to assume that they're growing at the same rate all year round. Just remember that light is essential at any time, that if they're trapped between a curtain and a window, they'll get frosted, and that they do tend to slow down and not need quite so much in the way of food in winter as they do in summer. Allow for their seasonality, and that is the way you will succeed. There you go, simple steps to give your household plants the, the best Christmas ever. Follow them and your plants will emerge, hopefully rested and recuperated in the spring, ready to give their best performance in the year ahead. That's it from me, Alan Titchmarsh. Whatever the weather, enjoy your garden and enjoy your Christmas houseplants. You've been listening to Tea Break Tutorials with me, Alan Titchmarsh, produced by Lucy Ditchmont for BBC Gardener's World magazine.